Welcome to the Adventures of Alice and Bob podcast. Today, we're introducing After Hours with Alice and Bob, a special live episode recorded at Beyond Trust's Go Beyond event in Miami, Florida. Our hosts, James and Mark, have a ton of fun talking to guests at the conference, asking questions like, what is your favorite cybersecurity horror story? And what hero would you choose to describe cybersecurity? Our first guest is Jorge Aguirre, who works in sales at IT Analytics. Well, welcome, Jorge. So, welcome to uh, Go Beyond. Welcome to our podcast, The Adventures of Alice and Bob. I'm Alice. This is Bob. I'll take it. <laughs> so, we just like to get um, some cybersecurity war stories. This is kind of like the after-hours version of Alice and Bob, the podcast. So, maybe you've got an interesting story you can tell us that you've seen from the post-it note stuck on the laptop with the password on it to the thing, the open container left on the internet. What are your favorite cybersecurity uh, war stories? Well, one of my horror stories is related to passwords, actually. And it's uh, one coworker that he had this universal password for everything. So sometimes when he wasn't around, like, hey, we need to access the system and it's a demo equipment or something like that. Ah, well, just the, the default password. And you already knew which was the default password. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you how you came across the password in the first place. So it sounds like you you had knowledge of it from no, him. He shared that knowledge, but the issue was that if you said, Oh, it just was for a mm, test a POC system, it wasn't an issue. But sometimes he tend to to leave that password to many other systems and share that password with many other people of the department. So everyone knew try that password first. If not, then you have to ask. And I was like, okay, everyone has like that. we got password so everywhere. So we've seen multiple failures there, right? We've seen a predictable password and the fact he shared it with everyone. Yes, uh, it was shared maybe with your close colleagues. It wasn't that big of an issue if you want to, to think of that. But it, uh, a dictionary attack could guess it very, very fast. So Okay. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 we're, we're joking about it, but... Uh, I think it's hard to find anybody that's worked in technology long enough that hasn't had or done something like that, right? Whether it's like, maybe hopefully not so much on like the kind of corporate critical type systems or whatever, but whenever you end up having like a lab or test environment or things like that, right? It just becomes that kind of ease of getting work done, right? And so that's, that's always that balance in security, right? If you're, you're trying to have uh, stuff be as secure as possible, but hopefully with the least amount of friction. Sometimes though, it's just all about least amount of friction. <laughs> Security's not coming into the kind of conversation, if you will. Absolutely. And one of the things about our podcast is we have like a cartoon graphic style. So we're asking people if you could pick a superhero or supervillain from a, a comic book to describe information security, cybersecurity today, who would you pick? Mm, I think that I will go with Iron Man. Iron Man. Oh. Okay. Solid. It's a classic, Solid opening. I don't know. I think that the fact that he had Jarvis yeah. and that AI that helped him with everything, the, the AI didn't did anything creative that Tony Stark can't, but Jarvis was that part that was always covering him. And I think that maybe in the cybersecurity future, that might be the way to be secure with all the hassle of the passwords and access, because you need like something that can be your companion, but it's easy to interact with. And maybe AI is, is the way, Jarvis. Yeah, I mean, I, t two parts I love about that is, a, that you picked your your superhero that has the awesome sidekick, as it were. I guess you could consider Jarvis like a sidekick, maybe. I think so. This is where I'm going to get ripped up online for my lack of comic knowledge. It's going to be fine. But the other part that I think is really interesting, what you're saying is like, 
and we were talking about at the conference, right? When you think of things like um, like zero trust, right, which is overused in so many ways and kind of not well defined. But when you're trying to get to like states of uh, least privilege or where you know uh, employees only have access to exactly what they need to have access to, right? It's easy to say, but like doing it at scale, doing it across an organization becomes really hard where you're trying to manually define, you know, what people may or may not need to have access to. And it requires you have kind of that level of automation and understanding to, to truly be able to do it. And so that kind of gets into what you're talking about, right? Which is how do you have that sort of intelligent system that can like make those recommendations that can more dynamically figure that out for you becomes crucial. So both Brad Superhero and Idea Man. <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah. And just a quick one, actually, if you were picking one for a, a cyber villain, so the threat actors that are out there, what, what person from a, a comic book series might you pick? Mm, cyber villain. Um, maybe some mad scientist because they know what they are doing. I don't know. I remember Megamind. He was very smart and he had all that technology on the movie. And he wasn't, he was billion, but not that much. And in the end, he used technology to do something. So Maybe with that one, we can go. Okay, that sounds great. Wait, what, what would your cyber villain be? Oh, good question. Good question. I, I think in the Penguin, maybe. The Penguin? The Penguin, like expand. the really old-fashioned Batman. Because I just like the idea of just like a threat actor just waddling around making really bad Penguin noises and smoking a cigar. Like the really old Batman <laughs> films. Is it, you is know, it, like is, when you hit them, it comes up with like a kapow thing. Is it, is it some like idea of like the, the, the opportunistic uh, script kitty just kind of fum, fumbling yeah, through? Exactly, and yeah. Just, just bouncing around, quacking. Nobody quite knows how someone who dresses as a penguin and waddles around has enough money to launch a major attack. Somehow they do. But when you hit them, it goes kablamo or kapow or something. I like it. I mean, this, this is starting to turn into sort of weird therapy for me at this point. So I'm probably going to cut myself well, off. My answer would have no explanations. For some reason, the uh, State Puff Marshmallow Man uh, okay. in Ghostbusters popped in my head. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Don't actually know why. Yeah? Yeah, don't really okay. know why. So as but we round off these weird, contribution. weird tangents that we've gone down, <laughs> we've all made mistakes in the past. This is a safe confessional space. So is there something you've done in terms of cybersecurity in the past that you thought was absolutely fine at the time? But now if you think back, you think, why on earth did I do that? Why, why was I doing that at the time? Uh, I think that a classic one will be uh, to to write your passwords. Yes. Uh, that's a classic. And when I was very young, I didn't see a, a, an issue, even using uh, easy-to-guess passwords, because I wanted easy. But then when I started working on cybersecurity field, I got very scared. And I started even using MFA for everything I can get or SMS verification when it was the only other option. Yep. So... Uh, that would be uh, like when I was very young and I tried to do um, that kind of things. Uh, I think that not, at this moment, there are many options to secure your um, digital identities. And many of the newer generations have access to, that, to those uh, new ways. Yeah. Now, the passwords on a post-it note is an absolute classic. So uh, I think, I mean, come on, Mark, have you ever done that? I mean, I, 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 I have I ever done, done embarrassing things in technology and security? Yes. I know you've done that because on YouTube, there's a, an well, old like, documentary of you where you, before you let them in a room, you said, just let me check. I haven't got any oh, passwords lying around written down. This is true. So you've I definitely done that. I was doing a sweep. But that was probably other people's passwords. So just to be fair. Yeah, that's true. But it's, it's interesting what you were saying, right? Like how the, the technology uh, evolves over time and, and to 
since you're trying to date me here on on age and stuff like that, you know, as the, as, as the guy that used to have to do hacking demos between two laptops because there was no virtualization, right? I remember the one of the first times I was actually doing like a presentation, like a training education. It was for uh, NASA, and I think I was like, I think I was like 18, something like that. And I was doing this hacking demo between two laptops, and it was uh, like a Windows. Um, it was a Windows uh, remote system vulnerability, but it was in a particular Windows service that would cause the system to be unstable and cause it to reboot, right? And so you do the do the attack, you're kind of demoing, and this whole room full of people like watching you do it. And then now in order to kind of like do the next demo that I was gonna do, you have to re restart the computer. And not like restart a computer in modern times. I mean, like you're sitting there ad-libbing and making stuff up for a good five minutes while your laptop's rebooting. So the technology progression is awesome. I think on your point of what you're saying of, uh, um, you know, moving away from uh, not just guessable passwords and stuff, but like when you start looking at like FIDO2 authentication, things that you can do that are like more kind of, you know, unfishable at some level and stuff. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you for joining us, Jorge. Maybe we'll call you Iron Man from now on. That's uh, I like it. It's going to stick. Our next guest is Chris Heron, Senior Project Manager at Beyond Trust. And he shares who he thinks would make a great cybersecurity superhero. You can go hero or villain. Let's go hero. Yeah, if if I'm thinking cybersecurity, I thought cyborg for a minute because cyborg can hack into any device. But I I have to go back to Batman. I do, and why? I'll tell you exactly why. Um, to me, the the most defining feature about Batman is that he has a contingency plan for everything that might go wrong. If Superman goes evil, if X Y Z happens, he has a contingency plan for his contingency plans, and that is what cybersecurity is about. It's about having not one wall, not one point of failure, but having multiple points where you can have contingencies and backup plans, remediation. And so that multi-layered planning is the essential part of cybersecurity to me. So that's why I went with Batman. And a significant budget as well. You know, um, it's, that's it's really about the gadgets and toys he has. Yeah, but. It, yeah you know, shiny <laughs> new toys, absolutely. Uh, nothing wrong with a big budget, but uh, at, the end of, at the end of the day, you do need to sit back and you need to understand what will I do if X happens? Um, if you're just in, if you're just consuming data as it comes out, um, you're you're going to be overwhelmed with all of these alerts and all of this data. You you really need to have a better plan for, um, you know, if an anomaly is detected, then this. It just have an if this then that in your mind, and that's the contingency plan. That is an absolutely solid answer. The next guest joining James and Mark is Charles Newman, an architect at Integral Partners LLC. Maybe briefly, how did you get into cybersecurity in the first place? You know, I'm glad you asked that because that's really um, part of the interesting part of this story. Um, when you walk into work one day uh, in a small regional medical facility, uh, you're the network administrator, you know, kind of in the trenches kind of guy. There was air quotes over network administrator for the people listening. You have conversations with people with badges. Um, not to the level of, of you, Mark, but, you, you know, um, FBI, Secret Service, uh, a data breach happened uh, in that medical facility. Uh, and um, after being cleared as being the suspect, you know, one of the suspects, we were all suspects because we worked in IT. You know, uh, it got to okay. be an inside yep. job, right? Yep. Um, had over 800 patient accounts that were compromised. And... Uh, they were used to file fraudulent tax returns. Oh. I can speak of this because it's public. Ah. Yes. 
So that kind of gave me a perspective of looking at IT through a different lens, you know. Uh, this after this being, was at the start of kind of getting into this. Yeah, I wasn't even in security so you, there. So, yes, yeah, so you, you know, kind of got the closest thing was group yeah, policy. Kind of you know, thrown in the deep end of security by like a necessity at some right. level. But, yeah. uh, you know, after doing some of the forensic work that was required to figure out who did it, uh, you know, it, it gave me a lens to look through. From that point forward, I can see that's where my career shifted from, you know, deep in the annals of IT techie world to cybersecurity. Uh, so always had a fascination with from that point forward to uh, pursue that pathway. Uh, and that uh, is really what led me to doing the security kind of work. Um, worked for an insurance company, uh, had a dotted line per se to cybersecurity. Um, interestingly enough, the, uh, the uh, legacy uh, privilege management system for Beyond Trust, if anybody remembers that name, Power Broker from Windows. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then uh, that insurance company uh, decided that we need a PAM product and uh, did several POCs. Beyond Trust was the, the winner. And uh, that's where my PAM experience came in. So from there, opportunities just kept coming because, uh, you know, if you're not doing something in the way of, you know, those four platforms, you know, endpoint privilege management, password uh, management, protection, you know, Active Directory bridge, those kind of things. You're not 100% zero trust, as we learned from one of the speakers today. Uh, so that's that's how I got into it. Yeah. So coming from that IT background, you must have seen some fantastic, you must have some fantastic cybersecurity war stories. So is there any particularly funny or memorable cybersecurity war stories you've got? Can't say funny, but memorable working as a services provider company um, we see things uh, some of it we can talk about some of them we can't we can't name names obviously but when you have a large-scale enterprise that do not uh, they use their standard accounts that they've checked email on to go in and administer protected assets what i call tier one you know type assets that's scary and, but it also, at the same time, gives you a sense of satisfaction that you're helping this client, this enterprise, to take security seriously. And so that's probably um, one of the more common things. And some of these big companies, brands that you would instantly recognize, you, you just you, it's unimaginable as, as they're still doing it like that, that there's not a separation of a standard user account to an administrative level account. And then as as we round this out, is there anything that you did personally in, in your past that you now think as a cybersecurity professional, why on earth was I doing that? Um, you know, some of the uh, reuse of passwords. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably one that uh, many of us uh, are guilty of. Same password across five different, you know, platforms or something like that. And that's an absolute, you know, accident waiting to happen. We, we got to ask the after hours important yeah. questions. So. Yeah, most important question. Yeah. If you yeah. could pick a cybersecurity hero and a villain. What would it it doesn't necessarily have to be comic book. We seem to have broken I, that I'm, mold. I'm, so yeah, the problem well, is know. I'm not understanding the comic book references, so I'm broadening the scope. And yeah, I'm yeah. afraid I'm going to get... Yeah, lit up on the internet for getting it wrong. So I like <laughs> well, Wolverine. I'm going to go with the comic book theme. Okay. Because I, I did, you know, think about it a little bit. Uh, Batman. Batman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And, and, you know, Batman is is still kind of a mystery. He wears a mask. Yep. 
you know, supposedly we all know who, you know, who it is. Right. You know, <laughs> but in public, nobody knows who he is. And so a lot of times working in cybersecurity, people don't know who we are until there's a breach. And when there's a breach, there's a, uh, a failure to protect. That's where we get unmasked. And so our objective is to keep the mask on so that we remain kind of in the background. We do our jobs. We protect, keep people out of the headlines. And that's really, if you're working in IT or in cybersecurity, we all have one job, and that's to protect whoever's hired us out of the cybersecurity headlines. I think that's Love a it. really nice, profound and, answer, yeah. And uh, who would you be, uh, real quick, who would be your villain? Villain, uh, the Joker. Uh, you know, keeping with the Batman theme, yeah, the, the Joker, uh, you know, thorn in the side, you know, yeah. they're just kind of obnoxious and uh, taking things lightly when, you know, security is, no, no come on, no, not more. They're, they're pointing at me for our <laughs> audio listeners, but jokingly, I, I, maybe James isn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's great. Uh, no, I, I, going back to what you were mentioning with the uh, the Batman reference, right? And like sure. sometimes it's like, and all this expectations to like remove all the friction, just make everything work. It's supposed to magically not get hacked. Nothing's supposed to go wrong, right? There's, there's a very uh, thankless aspect to what folks like yourself do, right? And so for whatever it's worth, and I can speak for James, like thank you for what you do. Uh, and, Absolutely. And, 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 and yeah. thank you for sharing. Sure, sure. Our next guest is James Allen, product manager at Beyond Trust. What, what, what excites you working in the field? Do you know, I really do get enjoyment from learning about the effects of lack of security or and just knowing how effective and well-paid and organized um, crime is now, basically. So I, I find the whole realm fascinating um, and, and the effects of it. And I mean, I, I think I learned recently that, you know, some hacking groups, they have their own you know tribunals and stuff you know if you if you hire a hacking group and don't pay them they can take you to the to the they have escrow services yeah it's crazy right like it's people think that you know i think there's this image of like kids in bedrooms and that exists right um doing stuff you know, but in reality you're talking about well-paid people who are essentially operating a business so absolutely. yeah yeah absolutely i think that that's what attracts a lot of people, the dynamic nature of it, the kind of fighting hidden forces aspect of it. And like you say, it's not just the, I think someone wants to describe it as the 200 pound hacker in the bedroom. It is organized. And when we see these ransomware campaigns and these payouts that are happening, mm-hmm. people think of it as we're just giving it to some cyber criminals. Actually, we need to start thinking of it as like funding rounds for software startups. It's just the same thing. They're just going to invest that in tooling and the, the, the battle continues, the cat and mouse game. Our last guest is Chris Daly. Senior Security Analyst at Benjamin Moore & Company. So Chris, what was your journey into becoming a security analyst? Well, I went back and forth. I started as a sysadmin and realized I was a lazy sysadmin and automated everything. So they moved me into development. And then I got bored with development, moved back to administration for a while, and then kind of became the uh, the go-to for just a little bit of everything across the company. And then we had a cyber incident. And the resources that we brought in to investigate weren't able to really track down the issue. So I started looking at it and dug into it because um, I've been with the company I'm with for about 15 years now. And so it's, it's personal uh, when someone attacks us. And so uh, I started to look into it, was able to uh, identify 
how we were being attacked and where the problem was. At that point, they said, hey, we have an opening on our security team. Would you like to join? Similar to a previous guest that we had, it was like kind of trial by fire diving in. That's kind of how you got your start in the space, it sounds like. I did. I mean, I, I grew up playing around back in the days when you could play around a lot more. There were less laws. And so I had the experience that goes back. I know you're familiar with those days. Um, have some experience that goes back into you know late 80s, early 90s playing around with systems. So it kind of became a natural fit and has been a lot more interesting than anything I've been doing before. And, and you mentioned you were doing a, a level of like software or, or like development scripting automation also in some of your work from a, from a system administration perspective originally, right? Yeah, when I first started as a sysadmin, uh, we were a two-man IT team in a 24-7 distribution center. And I quickly realized that if I wanted to ever sleep again, I was going to have to automate some of the processes that we were doing on a regular basis. And so I started with the things that broke most at night and automated those and then kind of went through everything else I was doing. Eventually, I didn't have much to do, but I had a lot of programming experience. So at that point, moving to our development team became a natural fit. Yeah, and it, I find I, I keyed off of it because it's interesting and I, and I think always important when you think of like kind of doing security engineering at kind of the level that things have to happen these days of like having some of that development, you know, or scripting type background is like super important. I, I always like to tell the story of one, one of the last companies I was uh, running security for, like the, the recruiting team kind of, uh, you know, it was like my first week on and they were like, what sort of, you know, like, who, who do you need to hire? What do you need? And I was like, I, I need some developers, right? That's like the, the first thing, even before some of the security aspects, because without being able to, I think as, as, as a customer was putting it well earlier, uh, you know, gl having that glueware, right, to, to either automate or kind of understand or, or, or really to kind of tailor things to your business, to your environment. So that's a, that's a cool combination in your background. Thank you. It also helps with, you know, looking at things from different perspectives. Okay, if I want to look at this from a developer perspective, and I'll see it one way, I'll look out from a security perspective or look at it from the perspective of an attacker. Having a little bit of experience in each of those lets you see things that other people aren't going to see looking at the same section of code or the same application. Uh, absolutely. Me, me and James talk about that a lot of the like like trying to have those different experiences and technology, it's so helpful from a security perspective, right? Because you can kind of uh, not just like empathize, but like truly understand like what folks are doing, like when they're just trying to get code written, get software development. What does that actually mean? How do you how do you figure out security that's going to make sense that doesn't increase you know a ton of friction, right? But still allows people to get their job done. So lack of segue, but I'm going to dive into it. Because Go I realize I'm keeping yeah, I mean, this all. You, you gave me a lot of grief over I did my give you lack a lot of Segway village earlier. So you, this, is, this is true. I mean, I've also seen you ride the Segway, and that's a whole other podcast. And but, the podcast world has high yeah. Segway expectations. <laughs> In my defense, um, I didn't have a belt on. So, so you you were saying you kind of. The, the almost like trial by fire got into security through kind of getting involved in the breach from an IT perspective. Uh, so, you know, when, when, you, when you think of that and when you, if you have to kind of narrow things down to like your uh, comic book villain that would kind of represent, you know, that aspect of security, who, who would you be going with? Well, I think this is one y'all have heard before, but I, I hope my, at least my reasoning is unique. I, I think of the old school Batman character because in security, we can have a belt full of every tool in the world and... Sometimes it helps and sometimes it doesn't, but in the end, there's often just some joker somewhere in your organization that needs to be slapped. Well, that <laughs> is a wonderful answer. <laughs> and it goes, I like it especially because it goes back the, to my point earlier around the penguin is the villain, that when you slap them, it makes the wonderful kapow. With the, yeah. With the big pop-out thing. Just I like, like that everybody's been going for like retro Batman. 
yeah. I feel like has been more of the theme. I think people in InfoSec don't relate as much to like the muscly toned Batman and we're more kind of sitting around just like in chairs. So yeah, I think that works well. Well, not all of us look as good in leather jackets either, so. Oh, look at that, Mark. <laughs> subtle compliment. That left me speechless, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's nice. And then from your past days, you know, before you got into cybersecurity, are there any things that you used to do in IT that you think, my goodness, it, I, you know, I'd be fired if I did that today? There's got to be an auto, there's got to be an auto, maybe not even security. There's got to be like an automation story or something like the, the good and bad you start automating, right? It's like you, you get the one thing, one off wrong and everything goes down or it turns out you sent 10,000 emails. Got any gem there? We, we've done our fair share of accidentally spamming the customer base and things like that. But I think the biggest one that really got me is the, uh, as a developer, I used to think nice, robust error messages were helping my helping and they do help me. Uh, they help everyone else that sees them too. So that's probably the one thing I've changed um, is how I handle errors and error messages. Uh, so that's probably the biggest one is it's it's impacted how I program or how I go back and look at the programs that I wrote. Absolutely. We are uh, head of UX and everything kind of customer experience-wise with our products. Uh, Angela, she wrote a great blog post once about the the importance of user experience in security, right? Like you have to get the user experience right. Otherwise, security itself can be impacted, right? So definitely, I think that the nuance you're touching on is a, is an important one. Yeah, no, that's that's a really great answer. And uh, that's quite a unique take on it, actually. So I like, really like that one. Uh, anything else you wanted to share in terms of your tips on getting into cybersecurity or succeeding in cybersecurity? I think the biggest thing that I've learned from uh, my path into cybersecurity is just use every opportunity and every chance that you have to learn different things. Being able to look at something from as many different perspectives as possible is how we find the problems and how we find the issues. That's a really nice uh, segue to the end. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that, let me try that again. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really nice thing to say. You know, we beyond just have a, a James, thing about staying James' curious. ability to wrap, wrap up the podcast is standing I between... Wanna, uh, I want to keep talking to guests. Between I, I, I feel bear. like Sarah's at the back going to point at me and tell me off again. <laughs> but but, I, but but yeah, I would I would definitely strongly echo what you said, that that kind of cross-domain, you know, interdiscipline kind of effort. Uh, super important, super valuable. And it's, it's all about like kind of the different variety of experience that you can get like in technology and security, I think, uh, especially over the course of like a career, it helps tremendously, man. So it's a great recommendation. Yeah, that, that cross-domain knowledge is so important. And I think it's one of the things that I'm finding actually with a lot of graduates that they've lost sight of those core principles of how the operating system work. You know, kids these days, I'm kind of you just did kids you. these days. I did just kids, <laughs> just these did days. kids these I, days. I'm feeling old now. But kids these days with their, you know, iPads and their WYSIWYGs, um, they, they have a core concept. They can use technology really well, but they don't know how it works under the hood. They don't know the, the core principles a lot of the time. And I think it's really good when you get that diverse experience to be hands-on, to be a developer. You actually understand the concepts far better. And often it's better to hire someone from that diverse background. It's because we've had to code uphill both ways. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so thank much you for sharing much. and spending the time, man. We really appreciate yeah. it, dude. Thank you. James, I had a lot of fun. Did you have fun? I had lots of fun. Uh, I, I think universally it seemed like Batman and Joker were like the uh, the two winners uh, overall. Yeah, we, we, we wanted to have some kind of lighthearted takes. I mean, I think one of the things that's important to always keep in mind, you know, when we talk about like the, the mistakes that we've all kind of made in our own uh, careers or, or the, the funny things that we see with... Uh, 
password usage or reuse, right? Is that uh, really it comes down to working in security or working on a security team. The, the burden should never be on your employees and your users. It's about having the right technical security controls, the right solutions in place, the right uh, processes that people can do their job, get done what they need uh, and do it in a safe way, right? Uh, versus uh, the hoping they're gonna magically do everything right or that they're not gonna make make mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, right? And, and uh, there's a security person I know that doesn't have some amazingly bad story of when they've done it absolutely wrong, so. What we've learned though from our, our guests this evening is well, people's careers have been made from mistakes. They've learned from mistakes. They've Businesses have made mistakes. They've gone on to succeed by learning from those mistakes and taking things to the next level. And I'm sure that, you know, there's things that we're doing in security today where people will in five, 10 years time be going, I can't believe you only use this type of authentication or this mechanism for securing systems and services. Why did you not have it in, you know, our fourth dimension quantum computer store like, you know, we do now. So maybe so I've maybe, gone off on a tangent. No, there, I think maybe on that point, uh, you know, keep progressing, uh, keep making mistakes, right? Yeah, it means you're actually trying curious. and you're trying to move forward and, uh, uh, most importantly, I think, have fun while you're doing it. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Adventures of Alice and Bob. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and share this with colleagues that'll get value from it.